You're listening to Adam Air MD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy. Fuck yeah. Welcome to this fucking punk rock fucking holiday fucking special. Hosted by fucking Jesus Christ, if you fucking remember those motherfuckers. We're Jesus Christ. Yeah. We're from that part of town. I'm Jesus, he's Christ. That's right. All right. Live at the Gilman, Berkeley, 1990. Before fucking the ghost ship fucking conspiracy fucking shut the shit down all over the fucking country. Fucking assholes. Alright, let's get it rolling. I got my buddy uh, Jared Distortion on the show today. He runs a platform on Facebook. You can check it out. Gage Records. I had the pleasure of uh, meeting him and his wife, Liberty Lovecat. I thought she might have been a cool addition to the show. It was a big no, but at least I got uh, her husband on the show, man. This guy's been around. He's got a fucking long-ass history. He's going to take you through all of it, man. I can't remember everything he said. This show was originally recorded about a week ago or whatever. And then I've recorded about four more fucking shows since then. (laughs) Hope you guys enjoyed that 5th of November episode, by the way. That motherfucker was pretty cool. I've had some intense conversations on the show. But we had the King's Poet Show with the Gigi Allen graphic novel. Go back and listen to that. And we just had the ADHD goddamn Jess episode. That was cool. I'm going to keep putting these fucking punk rock episodes out, man. People that are DIYing. I want to get it on. This episode's brought to you by some shake that fucking tastes like fucking, uh... (laughs) It's fucking gross, dude. I've been getting stuck with some fucking shitty weed out here in Colorado. Don't ask me how that works. I guess I just don't want to pay for the club shit, you know? I'd rather buy from my fucking local drug dealer. The show is Grandma Gutter Punk Approved. She's a big fan of fucking Jesus Christ and Concrete Socks. 2000 DS. She still loves all that shit. Oh, yeah. Brought to you by the letter F. <laughs> What's that for? Alright, let's get this fucker rolling. What the fuck's up, dudes, people of the worlds? Who the fuck do I got on the phone with me, man? I know it's a special motherfucker. Who is this? <laughs> Jared Distortion. Jared Distortion? Uh, yep, out of Raleigh, North Carolina. 
What's uh, up, man? Kind of a boring place, but um, is it? There, lived there uh, too long, but um, hope to venture on to uh, California, then um, one day make it worldwide. Um, been coast to coast quite a few times um, uh, as a traveler, um, and uh, yeah, I left for. I was originally born in Connecticut. Left when I was 10, moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, lived here 10 to 20, uh, bounced around the country 11 years, and uh, been back way too long. It's been uh, 20 plus years. So I guess I've lived on and off here half my life. And so out of Raleigh, you you started a record dis- distro? Yeah, I, um, I put out my first record when I was in 10th grade. Um, and uh, me and a buddy started it. It was called Marlboro Records. We did. Uh, Can I remember that in a way? Cool. Yeah. Um, we did. Um, let's see. I can't remember anymore. I've released about fifteen records, mostly seven inches, one LP, uh, a couple cassettes. Been on compilations. Um, played in the band ninety four, ninety five, called Inept, and. Um, Never got the tour, never really got a travel, but um, played with Osrodden, the Rukers. You were uh, in Osrodden? No, we played with them. Oh, you played with them. Okay. I was yeah, like, whoa. And, and, and that, was, uh, <laughs> that was an interesting show because um, a traveler friend of mine, Joe, we, we were in our basement and we started drinking box wine at um, probably 10 a.m. So by the time we came on, I don't even know what I was playing. I, I kind of hope they unplugged my bass amp, similar to Vicious. <laughs> yeah. Just like, uh, nope, unplug him. Yeah, yeah, totally. I was, um, I was playing something, but I don't know if I was playing our songs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember some days like that, man. So tell me about Inept, man, because I think you, I've heard those dudes. That's you? Or that's yeah, I was um, a bass player. We existed in 94 to 95. Um, I put out our 7-inch on a, a label, 18 Records. Um, I started it in 93 with a band from New York City called Timmy. Kind of like a Blatt-type uh, feel. And um, I got the nerve to call Neil from Nausea, Final Warning, Jesus Cross, Warning... Um, I was 18 and um, um, we'd been trading records and I called him up and I said um, after I got the nerve um, do you know a squad I can stay at in New York City and uh, with the British accent he said squad you can come stay at my house so I drove uh, the beat up Toyota Toyota Tercel to New York City from Raleigh um, three traveler girls in the back dropped them off at Tompkins Square Park and then I uh, continued on Neil's house, and we, uh, I helped him with Job War Records all summer. He took me up and down the East Coast. Um, cool. Uh, ABC No Rio, um, oh, yeah. Drop Dead, um, Devoid of Faith, Conniption, Half Man. And uh, it was quite an experience. Um, to this day, I've never seen anyone do a record label and uh, with that much heart like Neil did. Yeah, and you were just there the whole time. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Um, 
stays the summer and uh, remain friends, of course, and uh, kind of distances himself. You know, he's uh, he's in Oregon, um, really into farming. He calls it from DIY to GIY, grow yourself. And um, they in the collective they have is called Farmageddon for the all the United Farmers. That's cool, man. That okay. So Farmageddon, how much effect has that had as its own thing that you know of? Um, it's had a it's had a great effect as far as um, you know um, community. Uh, community support for fresh fruit, vegetables. So he shifted gears from his dedication to Bunk, which um, is lifelong, but um, yeah, studied um, under some some farmers and uh, that's what he does. That's cool as fuck, man. Uh, so as far as, what are you working on right now? What are you doing? Um, I'm pretty much... Um, you know, I do Yage Punk Collective um, on Facebook, and um, it's taken me six years. It's um, come out of a defunct label. Um, I released two things. Um, very hard to do records these days. Um, the pricing, the turnaround rate, nobody mail orders, um, extremely difficult. So I switched gears the cassettes. And I released Space Down and Shit, um, their discography, their early discography, which um, they ended up on Relapse, old good friends of mine, the drummer Wolfie is in Windhand, and um, <coughs> um, I put that out, pressed 200 of those, and then I released Inept Discography with a very dear friend, Sammy, uh, his band called Regurgitate, which is a couple of years after us, and then, and then I kind of decided, you know, I kind of reached the bucket list as far as everything I wanted to release. Um, I had opportunities to release things that I should have, but you know, such is life. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you got to go through all these different experiences, right, to see. We always wish we could go back, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can only do so many. I know it, man. You can only, yeah, and um, so um, I released quite a bit. Press runs ranged anywhere from 100 to 4,500. Uh, then I did a zine called A Beat of Our Own, which I printed 3,000 copies of, uh, cover, full-color cover, back cover, and um, mostly interviews, anybody from... Channel 3, Social Unrest, Anti-Noir League, The Avengers, um, goes on and on. And, um, and so many working. different branches and divisions, like of different sounds that split up into different fucking forms of punk later on, right? Pretty much. Um, um, you know, early bands um, in the hardcore political um Punk from back in the day to present, and um, I was working as a pretty much like a weekend chef at a university, and um, I was making good money, and so I just kind of um, gave it back to the punk community. Um, um, zines back then were, uh, you know, it was it was more than a zine, mostly kind of like a magazine, and. Um, 
I started, uh, you know, gaming out free, spent a bunch of collectives, bands, uh, uh, stores, and, um, you know, just kind of just um, uh, had the extra money, and, um, and I was able to do it. Uh, was it uh, profane related, like profane existence? Um, it wasn't profane. Um, I know it ended up, or it wasn't extreme noise. I'm sure profane had copies. Um, I've heard you drop a few profane bands, like in this, in some of the bands that you've said. You know, I yeah, thought I have. Um, a really funny story is. Um, uh, I don't think they'd be happy about it, but um, it's, it's comical. Is um, '93, uh, um, you know, I booked quite a bit of bands, and um, I booked Destroy, and I was <laughs> shuffling around for a place for them to play. Yeah. And um, I found a cardboard, and then uh, Felix comes up to me and he says, um, "I guess this means we're not going to get paid." You know, we shut down when the cops come. We were, we were all like, you know, but you're fucking destroyed. And um, and then uh, he ends up at a squat uh, doing, you know, uh, uh, some stuff. And um, but the guitarist. Um, Wait, what? I, I guess I got lost uh, a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, he ended up at a, a squat smoking crack. But um, oh, okay. <laughs> but it's kind of uh yeah funny destroy story um but that was and then him and mandy were fighting like the honeymooners um <laughs> it, it was um it was it was it was i was 18 um uh probably a little before i had the neil's house um so that's my profaning story profaning existence story about destroy um but you know, I know uh, Felix is. Um, you know, he's not. He does the label Havoc Records. Um, I don't know what he's playing in currently, um, and he is part of Extreme Noise Records out of Minneapolis. He's still doing his thing there. Yeah, yeah, he is, but he's doing it. Uh, I guess soberly. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I remember I, that was the fifth time I lost my virginity was at a Destroy show. Where, where did you see it? <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> Dirt, Destroy, and uh, I can't remember. It was like, I thought they were called like a different Hellhammer, like not the Celtic Frost okay, Hellhammer. Okay. You know Hell what I'm Crusher. talking about? Hellcrusher. Thank you, dude. Yeah, yeah. Thank uh, you. I booked, uh, I booked them. Um, Hellcrusher and Dirt. That was the first time I booked them. And then. I always got this, Hellcrusher and Hellhammer always confused, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I booked them at um, a pretty infamous venue in Raleigh called The Brewery. Yeah. Which in the 80s was like a heyday of. Um, COC brought everybody. Yeah, there. I saw. I I've been there, man. I I saw uh, COC suicidal and DRI. I've never seen wow. a bigger fucking pit in my life, dude. That's fucking insane. At the brewery, yeah. that was like the biggest pit I've ever fucking seen, man. Actually, yeah, crazy. I um, I um, saw the later years of the brewery. Um, um, 47, and I got into the punk scene around 89. My first. My first fun show, house show, was 89. Nice. Um, 
And uh, so I missed a lot of the brewery shows, but um, I was in ninth grade and um, I had a ticket for Sick of It All, DRI. DRI was on the Thrashing Tour. Uh, Sick of It All was um, maybe had the first 7 inch out and the first LP might have just happened. And then I got caught smoking in the boys bathroom at in high, high school and sorry uh, man it, it just sounded funny the way you said uh, <laughs> i got caught <laughs> i got i got um caught smoking in there and then um my math teacher kind of wrote up a scientific report like citri- cigarette butt is becoming slightly saturated <laughs> so i had my all ages ticket for that ninth grade and then he would call my house and I'd hang up. So, um, and then he finally got through to my parents and they were like, you cannot, you can't go to the show. You're grounded. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So that was, that was a major bummer. Um, but I did get to see DRI recently for their 40th. Um, yeah. Greg, the, the bass player got us in on the guest list. Sick, and, um, dude. Insane show. Yeah. My brother played with them. In uh, his band, which I I can't fuck. Sorry, Todd. I can't remember the name. You've been in so many fucking bands, but uh, they, he did just play uh, with DRI and in, uh, in Charleston or whatever. Man, he said they were just fucking sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They totally were. They, it was um, one of the best shows. Like um, I hadn't seen a show since Reagan News reunion. Um, pre-COVID had been a long time. And, did you um, like uh, Reagan Youth, by the way? Yeah, yeah, very much. Do you, um, uh, do you know Polly? Yep, yep. Um, Recorded with that guy. Very cool. Um, yep, became a good pen pal of mine, interviewed him. Um, and, uh, yep, keep in touch with them. And at that show, um, I asked them... Uh, we were kind of at the bar, or we were at the bar, and uh, he wasn't drinking, uh, you know, I had some, and, uh, <clears throat> hey, excuse me, and um, so, uh, you know, what was Reagan News like with Dave, and he said nothing like it is today, and, um, but, um, no, it was, it was incredible, and he's, uh, became a great pen pal, I interviewed him for a Facebook site I do called The Age Funk Collective, and um, um, yep, uh, that interview. If you search Facebook uh, for Reagan Youth interview, it pops up. Um, talks about the early days of them meeting in eighth grade and um, the recording of the Oh Come Now Jim LP. Um, uh, but quite a history and, and, a, and a great dude. Who, uh, Polly? Yeah, Paul. Yeah. I didn't like him. I thought he was a fucking asshole. And when I recorded, when I recorded with him, he uh, he came up with me at with Spike Polite from Sewage, and uh, they were like, okay, "Hey, okay," and they were like, "He was, he was yeah. singing." Yeah, but he was a total fucking douchebag. I didn't like him at all, man. I, I thought that he he was a kind of a cocksucker. <laughs> I'll be honest, you know. I mean, I'll call him like I see him. But I, I, yeah, I just, yeah, I thought, hey, it's Paulie from Reagan Youth, and he asked me. He said, uh, "Do you want to record on an album with me?" And I was like, 
how'd this guy even know I play guitar? And I was like, how'd you know I play guitar? And he, and he looked at Spike and he goes, do you want to fucking do it or what? And I was like, yeah, cool. So that was I, how we got on. My, my my knowledge of you, what um, what bands uh, did you play in? Uh, I wasn't in so much shit, man. I I was in like one death metal band out of Boulder, Colorado, and they were called Colostomizer. And then the, and the Simpsons ripped us off on the ski on the skiing episode. And, uh, cause Matt Groening had heard Colossomizer, so he put it on a Simpsons episode. And it's wow. the one where Homer's <laughs> actually like, ooh, Colossomizer, I like the sound of that one. <laughs> and, uh, so he does the roughest course or whatever, where he gets his nuts fucking racked repeatedly. But the, uh, you know, um, and then I was in another band called Black and Goat Tongue. And we kind of, I switched from death metal over to doom. And it was okay. like right when uh, Acid King and Electric Wizard was getting fucking really big. Sleep had been around for a minute already since like 93, but uh, now now over a six-year period, you had a bunch of bands like building more of a rapport with that classic Sabbath sound. And I, I, just, yeah, went totally. I just went ahead and I had, uh, I, I was like, well, fuck it, I want to play that really slow shit and learn how to rock it. Now I listen to some Doom and it's gone all like softer or softer or just into forms of psychedelia that I don't really give a fuck about, you know? But uh, I I do like Acid King still or like Electric Wizard. Even though I think Lori's a fucking bitch too. And I hope she hears that. Fuck you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't give a fuck. I mean, I've been ripped off by everybody. I got ripped off by Matt Pike. All kinds of motherfuckers, but uh, the one cool thing that had happened out of that was uh, playing with Witch Mountain, and after we played with them... Not uh, not familiar with them. Where are they out of? You know what happened? They started stonerrock.com, and they they started it when they played with me, my band, and another band in Denver, and we lived in this uh, 1890s abandoned you know paranormal fucking piano warehouse and it was just all rotten rotten wood and crazy and it smelled like super sage and very witchcrafty and and like you know these guys came in there and they were inspired and they kind of started that and I thought by 2000 you know I played until about 2001 yeah, yeah. I that was about the know. end of it. And then I did some more punk rock. I went all the way back to my punk rock shit, and kind of just went there and stayed there for another three years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you familiar with Face Down? Face Down shit. Now they play out here in Denver. Um, they probably have. Um, Wolfie, the drummer's in Winnie now, and um. But certainly, you know, as far as we were talking about stoner, bunk, and everything. Um, you ever heard of Blastomat out here? No, I haven't. Okay, that's like a more of a grindcore punk house. Because there's like different like styles of punk that you would go to. You go to this dive back. I haven't been around in it in a while, but when I was drinking, it was like if you wanted grindcore punk, you went to the Blastomat. If you wanted divecore, 
he went to like Lion's Lair or Bar Bar. And there was like a couple places out here that were, I think Bar Bar and Lion's Lair are still around. Yeah, that's how um, Richmond was, where um, like hundreds of bunks, but separated by, um, you know, genres. You might have a couple hundred show up for this show, a couple hundred show up for this show. It was a split scene, but um, at the same time, kind of everybody knew what everybody was up to, that kind of thing. Um, kind of a big city, but small town type feel. Uh, I like that I whole, lived, you know. I lived there, um, uh, I guess I came through there as like a traveling squatter, and then uh, ended up um, living there on and off for a couple years, and then took off for Portland. Yeah. And then how long were you in Portland? Uh, two years. Um, Did you like it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was PMW? Intense. Um, <laughs> uh, I hung out with Jerry from Poison and Dare a lot. Many, many late nights drinking. He used to call me the booster because um, uh, despite getting arrested a couple times for it, I was really good at um, going into stores, filling up my book bag with bottles of wine. So their beer so we'd stay up till 6 a.m. drinking um saw them a lot went to uh jerry's uh his his dj every tuesday and thursday um yeah it was an experience and i was also going to cooking school um so uh that worked um but portland pretty much um people moved there in packs so it was very hard to make friends, but I, I had a lot going on anyways in, in uh, you know, what I was up to, but um, what I was doing. But, um, but yeah, a lot of fun with those guys. That's awesome, man. You know, uh, when I was living in Carolina Beach, just down the road from you, man, and I was working on Highway 421 at a Steve's Calabash Seafood and uh, I was frying fish out there, you know, and I was getting into the punk rock at that point. I was about 15. And, uh... Yeah, yeah, that's about how old I was, too. Um, started off skateboarding, uh, fifth, sixth grade, introduction. Um, uh, first horror records I ever bought was um, Suicide Tendencies, Possessed Escape, Misfits Evil Live. Six songs. Oh man, Evil Live, dude. And, and yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, I can never remember the fourth record. That one remains a mystery. Yeah. Well, you know, man, it was, you know, a different time. But uh, I thought, I, I thought that. for me, you know, to let me finish my story, I uh, yes. was in S Steve's Calabash, and uh, I remember like I was really fucking fed up with the job. And I walked out there and I saw COC sitting as a band with their manager who was like some greasy older fucker with a fucking red Izoc shirt with the fucking big gold pentagram <laughs> chain around his neck. And he was all, and I was like, you guys are fucking COC. And uh, they were like, yeah. And I was like, are you guys going to be up on the boardwalk later? I get off in two hours. Can I hang out with you guys, please? And they were like, yeah, dude, totally, man. We'll be waiting for you. And I got out of there, and we, we, I took a black and white photo booth picture with them, you know? Where all, all of us were fucking crammed in this 
fucking booth, you know, with COC, and I remember how it ignited me. And I, and, that, and then to finish it off, I was like, I'm going into rock and roll. I just knew that I was going to be in rock and roll for the rest of my fucking life, you know, punk and everything else around, you know, like fucking basically, you know, just anything with a anything worth a shit, like rudimentary peanut. Yeah, of course. You know, um, as we've chosen that as our as our background uh, soundtrack. Definitely top five fucking albums for me ever. It, it, it is ever made. Ever made. Yep. Uh, I would say a um, couple that come to hand is um, certainly Dead Church, uh, DOA, Something Better Change, um, Social Distortion, Mommy's Little Monster. I like um, old Mike Ness before he became some white trash honky tonk fucker. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, same here. I don't care about that bandito, white bandito bullshit. I don't know anything about him. That's what he is now. He just fucking, you know, it's like country, like. Yeah. It's almost skinhead yeah. shit, dude. You know, the way skinheads hide under the greaser format yeah, now, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, totally. It reminds Rock me of that. Yeah, shit. it's, yeah, psychobilly. I don't know. I never got into it, man. I never really yeah, got into nah, it. I, I didn't either. After um, after about ninety, I'll give him that. That first record, ninety. Um, he had three bands that that went major. He had the Lemonheads. He had Sonic Youth, and he had Social D. Um, they all signed, uh, you know, major label. And I, and I will give him the first record in ninety. That was, you know, with uh, Sick Boy. That, that's pretty good, but that, that's the last I go with social distortion. Yep, I thought, you so, know, yeah, that was it for me, uh, too. How, how long did you live in North Carolina? Long enough to see uh, some of the best shows that I ever saw at uh, the Mad Monk in Wilmington. You ever been there? Um, I have. Um, I was trying to remember the name of it. Um, never spent much time in Wilmington. Um, a couple of times at the beach, but I saw... Cape Fear, rock, man. <laughs> rock backwards says war, uh, but they they got banned. Yeah, I saw that show. Okay. They okay. paid you five bucks to get into the show. Uh, I don't remember. I was so young, but um, yeah, rog. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was. I remember really that. Good without the costumes. No, they were playing their songs backwards. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even. Uh, didn't realize that at the time. No, I um, think they were doing it on purpose. It was a big yeah, yeah, promotional. Yeah, yeah, because they got banned from, from North Carolina. Um, but I do remember... I saw the show store. that they got banned from. I wow. actually saw that with uh, my brother and a couple other dudes. We uh, hitchhiked from Wilmington to Chapel Hill, which is about a buck fifty. And yeah, uh, yeah. and I got to, we got to the cat's cradle. And... Uh, Sleazy E. Martini came out of there, man, with the fucking Incredible Hulk's head on a fucking platter and all these midgets carrying it. And uh, and they and they was like, this is the Oracle. And this big-ass giant dude came out with a gigantic machete and split the head in half. And all these dead babies fucking flew everywhere. And he goes, the Oracle has spoken. Guar will play, you know. And, yeah, so you know, they own... Um they own a, uh, or not supposedly, but I guess they own a diner in Richmond now. Do they? Um, yeah, yeah, they do. I've, I've never been there, but, um, but you know, I've heard of it, know a little bit about it, but, yeah, they own a, and it's, you know, of course, centered around Guar and, um, 
Uh, yeah, whenever I make it back to Richmond, I'll be there. That's cool as fuck, dude. Let me know how that goes. Send me a postcard. Yeah, I will. You know, fucking, uh, but, uh, yeah, I remember, like, coming back from that show, that Guar show, man, we went back to school the next day, we were covered in blood. <laughs> and and uh, we couldn't get that kind of weird blood they used in their first shows off of us, dude. And they and it was just stuck to us, dude. And we fucking went to school, and they were like, and the and the principal was like, "Nope, get the hell out." As soon as he yeah, saw he's us, wearing a, a DK uh, Nazi Nazi Bunks fuck off T-shirt, and I had to duct tape or tape up the fuck bar. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh God. Oh, those Jesse Helms days. Terrible days. Now that I can say things are, um, well, things are better, but yeah, certainly uh, uh, right-wing fucker, um, uh, terrible. Yeah, no, he's the reason I dropped out of fucking high school, man, you know? I fucking was, like, really being affected by guys like Kevin Seconds and Ian McKay and... Totally. And I was like, and I had learned about the McKay family and that all those motherfuckers were punks and yeah, they were yeah, all yeah, doing yeah, shit. Yeah, had uh, Alec, he was in Faith, he had Ian, Teen Idols, Minor Threat, of course, Fugazi, you know what he's doing now. Um, yeah, yeah. I loved totally. it. I loved all that shit, Bad Brains. Yeah. And I remember like... I wanted to keep skating, but skateboarding kind of changed overnight, and all of a sudden, it went from, like, all the cool uh, hardcore punk and shit that they were, or thrash punk that they were putting in uh, Thrasher magazine, specifically, and that whole thing around that, and, uh, yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden, it went preppy, and, it, and the boards were all slender, and motherfuckers yeah, started yeah. dressing all fucking, like, posh and preppy, and I was like, nah... Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. made me drop out of skateboarding, really. I was like, no. Nah. Yeah. When I uh, when I first was learning, my parents, um, they let me keep rail slides and launch ramps and all kinds of stuff. So we'd have, um, you know, 20 skaters out there in a boombox uh, blasting, blasting Black Flag. And, um, yeah, early introduction. That's kind of um, my, my roots in skateboarding as well as, as, well as punk. Yeah, and, and, um, but um, it was important, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it, it was my life, and is um, actually got back on a board recently and um, skated pretty well. Um, I had, you know, I dropped out like you did many, many years ago, and then one night I uh, with a buddy took some mushrooms, drank some beer, and we were up all night skating, and I couldn't believe it. Like I hadn't skated in I don't know how many years, and. Uh, um, and just landing tricks that I had done in 25 years. Man, uh, more power to you, dude. I don't think I could do it now. <laughs> yeah. Not really. And then after that night, like, I couldn't get back on the skateboard unless I was on the grass trying to do something. But for some reason, it happened that night. And then I uh, got back on it, teaching my son, and uh, and was able to, you know, do some tricks and... Um, yeah, um, getting ready. To, I kind of borrowed the skateboard I bought from him, and getting ready to return it because I bought it for him. 
uh, we did a thing called bikes and scooters or bikes and skateboards, bikes, skateboards and scooters where he'd ride his scooter, I'd ride the skateboard, um, and, uh, teaching them slowly. He got kind of tic-tac and, uh, you know, some of the, some of the beginner stuff. Fucking A, man. Well, we are like at a 45 minute mark. How you feeling, man? You want to? Yeah, yeah. Want to go for it? All right. Yeah, let's do it. All right. I wanted to see how you were feeling. I like yeah, to take yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. So, um, um, so Yage basically formed. It took me six years to build up the site that is now. Um, uh, it's about 4.5k members, and it came out of the defunct label Yage Records, which I released those two releases I was telling you about, and then. The age itself is um, is something that William Burroughs searched South America for a plant, um, obviously to get you high as he was the world's oldest junkie. Um, but I kind of took it as far as like everybody finding their own age in life. You know, for Burroughs that was the age, and uh, and that's how that's how I define the age. Everybody's own uh, rhyme and reason for. Uh, you know, Coming uh, in. Yep. Basically. Going out. Yep. No, I remember uh, so many different phases of, uh, you know, all of it, basically, man. Like, laying it down. I think I came in, like, second generation because by the time I was, like, 12, turning 13, Black Flag was already putting out their last album. And that was uh, in my head. And man, okay. that fucking I album remember, affected uh, me, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was like, whoa, uh, man. And I remember uh, that they had that one record um, where they did Scream, and it was a 30-minute song, and it was probably one of the worst songs I've ever heard. But <laughs> despite that, I mean, they're, they're amazing. Um, but um, Rollins Hayes and... Uh, Keith Morris, and, you know, and... Oh, yeah, and Des Cadena in I, the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning. And then I don't know what happened. There was some... I remember there were some stories I had heard, but I don't know what I would remember hearing. But I I just remember, you know, Black Flag going through some changes. By the time they got Kira, you know, and they had her, like, from Annihilation or whatever. Annihilate this week. Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember that. Annihilate! <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Totally, yeah. I was like, yeah, I was into that kind of more... I was feeling that kind of angst coming out of my household. So I was definitely able to relate to the Black Flag DRI thing more. Oh, of course, yeah, me, me as well. Anything that had uh, lyrics that I could fucking definitely relate to. I remember listening to Dead Brain Cells. You remember those guys? Uh, Dead Brain Cells. DBC? Uh, yeah, yeah, vaguely, um, vaguely, I know the name, but I don't know much about them. They were, uh, this kind of this one release kind of thing or whatever, but that one album that they put out, you know, just self-titled, it was pretty heavy. I remember it just kind of changed my whole outlook, and I was living on the beach, and, uh, I had a drummer, but he was only 12 years old. <laughs> Now he's like, he's a bouncer down there in Wilmington somewhere, one of the dives. He's been there the whole time in the scene. My, uh, yeah, my bassist was like, prodigy. 
my basis was 15. I was like a year older, man. I was like right at 16. I was like, well, we got to put a band together. Yeah, I was... Uh, One Nation 18, Underground. Uh, that was the name 18, of my punk rock band. My 14, first band. 15 when I picked up the bass. And, uh, and then I had um, a couple... Um, next, uh, one of the earliest bands was um, uh, with the drummers in Red Dring now, um, and we were called Flem Jesus and uh, a couple of squatters and the place in Chapel Hill called the Street Scene where I remember that you couldn't play. Oh, okay, you couldn't yeah. play unless you were 18 or younger, and um, I played one one show there, and um, uh, but yeah, Nep was the only band that. Um, that I was in that, you know, recorded a bit on compilations, but um, after a hiatus of many years, picked it back up, picked up the bass, and uh, trying to trying to start trying to start a band. <laughs> I got a picture of me with a devil lock, uh, wearing a Subhumans T-shirt the day the country died or whatever. <laughs> I'm, yeah, uh, I've, I've, I've I got a, That's that street scene yesterday. That's that street scene. That photo was taken, man. My, wow. bro- my brother was in a band called Second Thoughts, and uh, they were doing pretty good around North Carolina for a while, you know, and then uh, it just ended like a lot of these bands do, man, you know, but they have an impact when they're around, you know, and they definitely contribute to those fundamental uh, uh, blocks that fucking build the punk rocker, <laughs> Yeah, you know? Yeah, totally. Um I lived there 85 and 95, and I came back. It's kind of confusing. Um, came back sometime between 05 or 06. And um, me and my girlfriend, Angie, Liberty Lovecat, are um, thinking about moving to California, East Bay. We're looking at Hayward. Um, it's not going to be an immediate move, but um, uh, over time. I'm familiar with Hayward. Um, yeah, it seems real cool, and, uh, you know, not that long of a boat ride to SF, and, um, nah. yeah, yeah, the Bay, the Bay is my favorite part of the, the country. The only thing I don't like about, uh, the Bay is that if you do live over on the East, uh, Bay, like in Hayward or, like, in Oakland, that area, uh, it does shut down, like, the, bu- or the train, the last train's, like, at midnight. Okay. I wish yeah, that they, I don't know why they don't have it running yeah, all fucking yeah. night, man. You know. I know, I know. That that I didn't know. That I part assumed, sucks. I, yeah. Yeah, I assumed it, it ran all night. No, that was always a problem for me. Uh, the five, six years I lived there, man, and I was in the gallery scene, and I was doing a lot of punk art, and so Ooh. and doing that kind of shit, and specializing in that. Um, really got deep into it, man. I remember I made about. Probably closer to two hundred thousand dollars, like just hustling art through galleries, underground galleries. Wow! You know, over a six-year period, man, and got into a museum, and then I got into a movie with H.R. Uh, Giger and Genesis Peorage uh, called uh, "What Is Art," and uh, that came out like in two thousand nine. And that was pretty yeah, much. I was like, exciting. that was way cool, man. I was like, that was like, hey, I hit this, uh, you know, part, you know, or whatever. I've been building um, towards. Yeah, yeah, doing what you love, and um, yeah, that's that's awesome. Pretty much, man. I did, I did, I just, you know, 
didn't make a lot of money, but the most, the best part was just, you know, interacting and getting to smoke a shitload of awesome weed with a lot of people, and, you know, Gilbert Shelton from, uh, remember Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers, the underground uh, comic? No, no, that, that I don't know, but you mentioned, um, with your comics, um, uh, with R. Crumb and, uh, yeah. Yep, some other people, and I certainly am familiar with him through Bukowski covers and various yep. uh, various authors is doing our work. No, yeah, I got the chance in 2005, and I was actually in New York City trying to push a, a solid book I had written, not a comic book, and I met Sophie Crumb at a party and started hitting on her or whatever, and <laughs> I didn't know it was Crumb's kid. <laughs> Uh, we drew some pictures for each other, and the next thing I knew, I was doing a three-pager in a comic book called TP with a couple other people that came out at that time and uh, wow, kept, kept it out. I'd love to see those. Yeah, man, I got I got that copy of that, and, you know, if you ever want to get some copies of it for your distro, man, just let me know, dude. Yeah, yeah, we can yeah. talk about I, that. I would, I, would, I would very much like to like to. Yeah, I got I'm a bunch sure. of shit, man. <laughs> There's a lot Ooh. there, you know, a lot of cool shit. So, so as, as far as my distro, um, I'm not doing a label again, but um, kind of doing a huge fun collective. Um, currently, I'm carrying uh, carrying the Beast War compilation, uh, reissue of the '84 classic Double LP. Um, carrying that CD for Dave Dixter of NBC Grimace Records, which interviewed Jessica, Sophie. Um, another guy, I believe, John. So that's my first, um, but I'm going to be hearing a lot of stuff, a lot of vinyl books. Um, I'd like essentially to turn the age into a book label as far as, uh, you know, my own um, uh, switch gears a bit. Yeah. That'd be awesome, but, uh, man. That's what I kind of felt like, too, in my own uh, career here, man. Well, I got to tell you, we got two minutes left. All right. And I want to uh, thank you, man. And I want you to leave some links. Or Can you tell uh, our guests out here, how uh, our people out here, how to get a hold of you? Um, Jared Distortion on Facebook and uh, The Age Funk Collective. And, um, again, life is uncertain on planet Earth. And uh, thank you very much for having me. Jared Distortion, it's been a pleasure, and you're welcome back anytime you want, man. You go. Anything you got uh, you want to share, too, you know, feel free to reach out. And it's just nice to have met you and uh, yeah, Jess. Yeah, it's and, wonderful. It's been and wonderful. All you guys are great, man, and new friends. And it's nice that we're all still alive and yeah, DIYing yeah, the fuck uh, out, man. Yeah, yeah, alive, united, and. Uh, and uh, cheers. Cheers, man. Hope you guys enjoyed that fucking shit. Jared Distortion, you're welcome back to the show anytime you wish. You're a fucking cool-ass motherfucker, and it's just nice to hear somebody that has like 40 years of fucking business under their belt, man, fucking doing the shit. Keeping it around, keeping it real, man fucking dedicated fucking portfolio motherfucker what are you guys doing out there for the holidays I want you to fucking put something together this is your fucking homework 
First of all, don't fucking drink and fucking... Don't drink yourself and shit yourself to fucking death. That probably won't be that great. Oops. Oh, God. We hit 222 shows, man. I'm going to be spending a, a bunch of time with Grandma Gutterpunk putting these Lost Files out. Uh, we're getting ready to do it. I want to get him off my ass, and I just want to get him out there. Including with not some of the best people. But, you know, we'll fucking go ahead and just put him out anyway. Fuck him. I think there was only two episodes I did put out. One with, uh, this guy named John Fiddle. You guys gotta go back to the fourth season. The Ballad of John Fiddle. Guy, uh, was totally against fucking vaccinations and all this shit. And he called me up about two months later. This was like last year or whatever. When I was in Carbondale. And, uh... He, he called me up and was like, can we do a show? And I was like, sure. And he told me straight up. He's like, I did the dirty J&J, man. I did it to kill myself. I'm like, what? I don't know what's on motherfuckers' minds, dude, but... You don't get to fucking kill yourself, man. I had suicidality from PTSD for fucking years, dude. Sometimes I just know that we all feel that way. We just want to fucking throw in the fucking towel and shit, man. But what you're not allowed to do is actually fucking do it. It's one thing when you're threatening it. I got empathy, man. I got empathy, especially around this fucking time of season. Fucking Christmas fucking sucks. Thanksgiving fucking blows. You know, it does suck, man. But I'm gonna have uh, a break from the show. And I'm telling you, I'm not the fucking suicide fucking hotline, dude. And I'm not a, a therapist. Underground cartoon therapy is like entertainment. Even though I do care about you, and I don't think it's funny what you're going through. But it has to be qualified as entertainment, man. I, I'm not the fucking mental health system. If you're having a real problem, especially right around now. I hate saying call up, and but if you don't have a support system, a lot of people don't, dude. You can call me first. 206-666-5847 You can talk to me or Grandma Gutterpunk If you want to talk to Mike Diana He probably doesn't handle fucking any kind of hard talk like that What happened to the dirty J&J &J John Fiddle motherfucker? I fucking don't know dude, never heard from him again I deleted the episode you're not going to hold me in fucking content.
or whatever fucking don't fucking get me involved in your shit dude I care about you man but keep it fucking cool man just get through the fucking season plus 2023's coming up man number of chaos we got the chaos year coming you know it's gonna be fucking pretty brutal you'd rather just finish it to the end fuck giving up man keep it punk keep it real and keep listening to Adam Air MDGD. You've been listening to Adam Air MDGD. Underground Cartoon Therapy. You've read about it. You've heard about it. And now the original punk rock movie from England is here. The punk rock movie. It's got Johnny Rotten and the Sex Pistols. And The Clash. Slaughter and the Dogs. Generation X. The Slits. Wayne County. Eater. Johnny Thunder and the Heartbreakers and many, many more. The punk rock movie from England. Some people think it's a riot. Some think it may start one. The punk rock movie has shot everyone. Here's what critics had to say. The London Sunday Times said, Brutal, honest, and remarkable. Punks acting up in a way no film will ever capture again. Flashes of tattoos, swastikas, pins in lips. It's barbaric. And the New Musical Express said, those people are animals. It's impossible to imagine a better film about punk rock than this. Listen to what a few decent citizens have to say about it. It was sick. Disgusting. Well, those safety pins and chains, are they for real? The punk rock movie. Oh, miss it. Forget the rest and take the best. The punk rock movie from England. See what the excitement is all about. Rated R. Thank <laughs> you.